Indiana Jones is back, pursued by Belloc. <laughs> Befriended by Solomon, threatened by Toth, and loved by Marion. Some of them are heroes. Some of them are enemies. And all of them are returning. They are all Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's the greatest adventure film of all time. Jones! I'm gonna blow up the Ark, And it will always be fun. Trust me. Raiders of the Lost Ark. at Marshall College. Welcome to episode number 263 of Blast Points. This is Jason. And this is Gabe. This month, we're continuing Indie Year, and we're talking about the Marvel Indiana Jones comic series titled The Further Adventures of Indiana Jones, which ran from 1983 to 1986, set after Rares of the Lost Ark, in 1936 and 1937, ran for 34 issues, and nobody talks about these comics ever. <laughs> yes, yeah, Star Wars is not the only Lucasfilm property that moved to comics and got extra crazy as part of the transition into uh, comic books. It's a weird one. It's a really good one and a really bad one, <laughs> sometimes in the same issue. It being never talked about clearly has a lot to do with the fact that they're very hard to come by nowadays. Unless, you know, you're going to a comic book shop and they have back issues or something. Or if you're lucky enough to find the the Dark Horse Omnibus 
editions, the collected editions that came out in 2009 and 2010. Yeah, because they're kind of in that weird space with it's Lucasfilm stuff, it's Marvel stuff, but it's not on the Marvel Unlimited app yet. It's not currently in print. So, yeah, it's very hard to find. And hopefully now that miracles have happened and we have the Ewok movies and Gendy Clone Wars on Disney+, Plus, maybe as it's Indiana Jones 5 actually becomes a real thing, maybe these will show up at least on uh, Marvel Unlimited because 34 issues is a lot. And they're definitely worth your time if you're into the Indiana Jones and the fact that they're kind of tied around the Raiders time period is pretty cool. Cause like everything we're in indie year here where we're talking about, they, it all has second cousin, first cousin, cousin relationship between Indiana Jones and star Wars, where what happens in weird Indiana Jones post Raidersness stuff, especially it's all still kind of connected to star Wars stuff. And there was this kind of, Indiana Jones EU kind of thing that was starting with these comics. Later, we got the whole series of paperback books, which is completely strange. They're all set before Raiders of the Lost Ark. There's tons and tons of them. Like, if you ever wanted to know the storyline for Lao Che from Temple of Doom, you got to go out and get Indiana Jones and the Dinosaur Eggs book, <laughs> which everybody has, of course, in their collection. Well, and the, I think... Potentially the the most interesting thing with these, and we'll get more into it later as we get into the actual issues, is that a good chunk of this run deal with Indy and Marion's relationship after Raiders of the Lost Ark. And this kind of ties into last month's episode about the women of Indy, that there is some of this kind of untold story of their relationship between Raiders and Crystal Skull that happens in these comics. And whether or not it's, you know, canon or what the creators of Indiana Jones intended. It does exist, and some of it's pretty good. It's, some of it's fantastic. Some of it's really, really bizarre. But, I mean, you could say <laughs> the exact same things about the Marvel Star Wars line. And especially back when we did our episode a couple years ago on the Star Wars newspaper strips. Like, the indie comics and the newspaper strips kind of have more in common than the indie Marvel comics and the Star Wars Marvel comics of the same time period. Yeah, there is definitely that feeling of they just loosely have the license and they're kind of, you know, th sometimes they follow the movies and sometimes it's just they take your your normal comic book kind of out there nonsense and they cram Indiana Jones in it and Sometimes it works pretty well, and sometimes it's as as strange as it sounds like it would be. It's like for the the Marvel Indiana Jones, all they had was Rivers of the Lost Ark, and it kind of it, it reminds me of either the newspaper strips or the first Marvel Star Wars comics, where all they had was the original film, and there's like this naive kind of purity to these stories. And the way the characters are and the way the kind of the world is around these characters, you just have that one movie to go on. And so, you know, these writers and creators are just kind of, well, we're just kind of making stuff up. 
there's not really the greater world and the sequels and the, the later stories. It's just, yeah, it's just this, this kind of the basics and that's all we have to work on. And there's something so kind of charming about that. You really get that in these, these Marvel Indiana Jones comics. There's the very basic elements of, of Indiana Jones world. There's like, there's biplanes, there's cargo ships and Nazis and every once in a while you got to go back to college. And they keep kind of managing to reuse that and make quite a bit of stories out of that. But it is, it's, yeah, it's the, the core ingredients of the Indiana Jones universe, but all from Raiders. Yeah, so there were these comics. There was a, a series Dark Horse did later that were set after Last Crusade. There were a bunch of young Indiana Jones books and comics. There were even a comic book series and a couple books that came out around the time of Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And like I said, there was all the tons of books that came out, paperback books. But Indie EU never really caught on. Like in the same way as Star Wars, like I feel like there was just as much indie stuff out there as Star Wars. Like they tried to kind of create this whole kind of indie EU. But, you know, there's no online petitions for Phoebe Waller-Bridge to be playing Deirdre Campbell from the book Indiana Jones and the Dance of the Giants. (laughs) Not many people really talk about the comics or the books or indie EU and kind of how crazy it is. I I kept wondering with these two, the fact that they came out when there was only Raiders, at least at first, and that the comic is called Indiana Jones. And I wonder how many people didn't realize that that was the character from Raiders. <laughs> because there are some of the covers, say, like featuring the hero of Raiders. So in the Raiders of the Lost Ark comic adaptation, there's a couple teaser pages for the upcoming Indiana Jones comic series and in that there's one illustration that john byrne did of indiana jones in like this cave with like this like mummy person coming behind him and there's a there's a title on top of it called raiders the sentinel almost that like the comic book series was going to be called raiders which is fascinating that almost goes back to the Rinsler book where the original idea from Lucas was they were all going to be Raiders movies and it was going to be you know Raiders of the Lost Ark and Raiders of the Golden Monkey and Raiders of like, so that kind of makes sense at that time that maybe they thought everything was going to be called Raiders. God, how strange. Raiders of the Crystal Skull. Yeah. But I wonder if the part of the reason why Indiana Jones expanded universe never really caught on is... Just by definition, it's a more narrow storytelling field than Star Wars. Like Star Wars, you can branch out. You can do a Han Solo story. You can do a Luke story, a Leia story, a story about the the Empire of bounty hunters. And, you know, it's a much bigger universe where kind of if you're calling it the further adventures of Indiana Jones, it's kind of just about one guy and what one guy does. <laughs> and he doesn't have superpowers. He doesn't have the force. He doesn't have, you know, a spaceship. And and it could be, too, just the fact that the character of Indiana Jones is so much Harrison Ford. The reason that character works is it's Harrison Ford. And when you take that character away from being Harrison Ford and it's just a a drawing that may or may not look like Harrison Ford, 
and you're reading words that may or may not sound like indie would really say them it's a little different than you know in star wars where you have these iconic characters who don't necessarily feel as tied to the to the actor even though harrison ford is pretty much han solo too but maybe yeah like you're saying because there's so many characters and it is you know you have the droids and the stormtroopers and darth vader and and these things that kind of work in a purely graphic design level that it it's easier to make that leap into comics and it's not so tied to the actor being the character but i will say in some of these issues like i feel like i can hear harrison ford's voice saying the lines and those are some of the issues that that really work but it's not all of them (laughs) (laughs) when we start talking about some of the some of our favorite issues from the line there was a handful of issues that i had that i you know i found it on like a spinner rack at 7-eleven in muskegon michigan losing my mind because it was like oh my god it's the further adventures of indiana jones yeah i remember it saying on the cover like featuring the hero from rares of the lost ark this is like 1983 or something, and I took it home and read it like I was reading Rares of the Lost Ark 2. Like, <laughs> there was, there's a couple of issues that were like still in my head as the sequel to Raiders. Did, were these ever on your radar when they came out, or did you have any knowledge of them? I didn't, and I don't know if it was I just didn't see them or comics, as much as they were a lot cheaper then, they still were expensive enough that. I didn't buy a lot of them. And when I really got into comics, I kind of got into to X-Men. And I was like, there were enough X-Men spinoff comics that if I was trying to keep up just with X-Men, that I was buying as many comics, I think, as I could. And, you know, all we had in Muskegon, yeah, was the 7-Elevens that had the spinner rack. So maybe I saw it, but it just... It didn't excite me enough to not buy an X-Men comic, I guess. <laughs> so, Or I just didn't see it because they only got one copy and you took it, maybe. So I don't know. <laughs> that that could have happened, too. Yeah, so some issues hold up incredibly well. Some don't. But the thing with going back, getting ready for this episode, with going back and rereading them, one thing that I took out of it was they really kind of go back to the roots of Indiana Jones, where you get kind of that serial cliffhanger kind of vibe, the thing that inspired Lucas and Spielberg, you know, before Spielberg said, my my dream project is to make a James Bond movie. You know, the thing that inspired Lucas back when he was talking to Philip Kaufman and they were coming up with the MacGuffin of the Ark, that kind of weekly fast adventure with a cliffhanger, the Saturday matinee serials, there's something about that that really works for Indiana Jones, and that comes off really well in these comics. Yeah, and they do a really good job of following kind of the feel of the films in the fact that there's like, I don't know, three or four pages in every issue that's just a- action that whether it needs it or not, like, you know, they're just, they need to move through a building, and instead of just walking through the building, some bad guy shows up and they have to fight their way through the building and there's just, you know, them fighting in a kitchen just because it's Indiana Jones and there needs to be some action. When I did Star Wars, I was coming up with my ideas for Star Wars, which was really about the time I was doing THX, um, or finished THX, and I was looking for something to do uh, uh, before I was doing American Graffiti. I had this idea for American Graffiti, uh, 
I also had the idea for Apocalypse Now, and I also had the idea uh, for this uh, taking a 30 serial using mythology and ideas from the past and creating a uh, kind of an adventure film, uh, new mythology. Um, I came up with two ideas. One was a space adventure. One was the venture of an archaeologist uh, looking for supernatural artifacts. Is Dr. Moore doomed to die unknown? Will none in the Arzac village discover the witch doctor's deception? And what possible chance have Bob and Joe to find the secret entrance to the hidden city? Don't fail to see Prisoners of Fate, the third thrill-packed chapter of Jungle Raiders at this theater next week. With the success Marvel had with Lucasfilm's Star Wars line in the late 70s and early 80s, you would think, you would think that a comic book series based on Lucasfilm's next big thing, Indiana Jones, would be just a given. You'd think it would just be an easy thing that, of course, it's going to happen, but not so much. So originally, Marvel editor-in-chief at the time, Jim Shooter, was not at all interested in an indie series or even an adaptation of Rares of the Lost Ark. And this is according to an article that was on Comic Book Resources by Brian Cronin. He was saying that Shooter just didn't think the movie was going to be a hit and thought Marvel was doing too many movie comic adaptations at the time. And according to this article, Lucasfilm was understandably just completely shocked and confused. Like, how could you not want to do even an adaptation of Raiders? Which, I was thinking about that when I read it. I feel like we talked about this a little bit in our first Indie Year episode. If you, kind of, if you just describe Raiders of the Lost Ark to someone, you could kind of get them being like, I don't know. Well, yeah, because at this point... Now that Raiders exists, Raiders is the description of that kind of movie. Oh, yeah, this movie's going to be like Raiders of the Lost Ark. Or, oh, yeah, this is like an Indiana Jones movie. So until you had Raiders of the Lost Ark, there was no vocabulary for what that kind of movie was, really. Much like Star Wars, it's like, I have no idea what this is going to be. It's an old-fashioned throwback to the serials of the 40s. Starring a grave-robbing archaeologist with a bullwhip and a fedora. Lucasfilm showed Shooter 25 minutes of the still-unfinished Rares of the Lost Ark. And he changed his mind. He was like, let's do it. Let's do an adaptation. Let's see how it goes. And so Shooter brought in big talent at the time, like Walter Simonson, who had worked on Star Wars already. He brought in Klaus Janssen who later went on to work with Frank Miller on The Dark Knight Returns. And he brought in John Buscema. Marvel legend was doing Avengers. Silver Surfer did a ton of work with Conan. And the adaptation for Raiders of the Lost Ark came out in summer 1981. I had it. It was hugely popular. I read it a thousand times. I still have my issue. It's (laughs) barely hanging together. Everything seemed great. There was one problem, though. Lucasfilm hated it, which is shocking to hear. I feel like the Rares of the Lost Ark comic adaptation is something everybody knows. And it's like, well, why did Lucasfilm hate it? 
The article doesn't really say. There's not a whole lot of information on it. The only thing I can guess, some of, some of it looks a little funky. <laughs> the art is kind of uneven. Indiana Jones never really looks like Harrison Ford, and he looks like totally different page to page, sometimes panel to panel. Yeah, maybe they thought it was a rush job. I don't know, because we do know from multiple sources how much George Lucas knows his comics. Like, he likes comics. He knows about that stuff. He's making a museum about that stuff. So it doesn't seem like it would be one of those situations where, you know, Lucasfilm didn't know what comics were and they didn't understand it. So in our newspaper strip Star Wars thing, there was the whole thing that, yeah, he was, I think at the time was co-owner of the Super Snipe comic book store in New York. Yeah, maybe he picked it up and was like, what, what, what the heck is this? Yeah. Frazetta, Frank. He's an artist. You've seen his work. Lots of it, in fact. You have probably been tempted by it. Certainly, if you have children over seven, you have helped to support Frank Frazetta, who is one of the most familiar artists around, whom nobody knows. Now he has a gallery that is willing and eager to show Mr. Frazetta and colleagues. It is Super Snipe at 153 East 84th, an offshoot of the Super Snipe comic book store. Frazetta is a comic book artist, and this gallery will show originals of comic book work and suitable for framing prints. In fact, these are covers of books in the sword and sorcery department. Most of them are about a citizen called Conan. It is lush stuff. What is happening here is that popular illustration is being elevated to art, and I guess it's up to us to decide whether or not it stays up there. So later, uh, 1982, at Marvel, the editor at the time, Jim Sallykrupp, if I'm pronouncing that last name right, told Shooter that, hey, you know, we should do like, an Indiana Jones comic book series. Why aren't we doing that? We did Raiders. That sold really well. And Shooter, again, is not sure at first, but eventually agrees. And they hear at the, through Marvel that John Byrne wants to do it that he was a huge fan of Raiders. And John Byrne, if you don't know, people say he was like the Jack Kirby of the 80s, did a ton of work for Fantastic Four, kind of a legend in comics. He was so big that later in like 1986, when he was doing his version of Superman at DC, he was like on the Today Show in the morning talking about John Byrne is doing Superman. I'm a little bit more to pull off some of his superhuman feats. Writer-artist John Byrne is the man responsible for forging this new improved Man of Steel. The first comic books hit the newsstands on the 4th of July, and John is here to give us a sneak preview. Will he still be able to leap tall buildings in a single bound? Oh, he'll be able to leap considerably higher than tall buildings. However, yes. there are going to be limitations. Yes, we are cranking him down quite a bit. In recent years, he's been able to push planets around. And we think that's getting just a little bit too much. It's hard to do an exciting story with a guy who's that powerful. So they get this whole thing together. They approach Lucasfilm. And Lucasfilm tells them no. <laughs> I guess then Marvel finally mentions that, hey, we've got John Byrne involved. And Lucasfilm kind of agrees. We'll see how it goes. The comic book adaptation is reissued. They agree on the title, The Further Adventures of Indiana Jones, which, interesting enough, the, the first announcement for Temple of Doom, I think it was, in, it was like an ad in Variety or something when they announced 
it was being made and there was writers hired and all the stuff it would it set on there the further adventures of indiana jones and so yeah john byrne gets to work doing his first issue which turns out to be his last issue because after issue number one he quits because he said he hated all the lucasfilm interference and Supposedly, they requested multiple changes to his already approved storyline that he had to go back in and change stuff around. I almost wonder, too, if there was – isn't this is right around when, well, they're finishing Return of the Jedi, George Lucas is getting divorced. It was kind of a weird time for Lucasfilm. Yeah, maybe they were extra difficult to deal with around that time. You read the John Byrne that first issue. I re- I read it again to get ready for this for this episode. There's nothing in there that's too outrageously shocking. <laughs> no, there's not, and it's it's a little more story conference Indiana Jones because he's a little more rude and raw, <laughs> but nothing that outrageous to where you see where this series goes in the future. It's pretty straight ahead Indiana Jones. If I was John Byrne, I would be pissed because if you get to like issue 25, 24, and there's absolutely ludicrous things going on, you'd be like, that was okay. But maybe, <laughs> but maybe like a rough talking Indiana Jones wasn't okay. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, this is Lucas divorce time. This is Ewok movies time. This is a crazy wild time in George Lucas and Lucasfilm. So maybe it makes sense that there was some, some miscommunications and uh, some tension. One thing with just that first issue that I will say is that Indiana Jones almost feels more Superman-ish in a way, not with like superpowers, but it's almost like teacher Indy is very Clark Kent with the glasses and just kind of the way he's, he's drawn. And then when he goes off on adventure and he's in the, the leather jacket and the fedora, it almost seems like he put on his superhero costume and maybe that's just something that's in the indie movies, but it just becomes more clear in this very kind of superhero kind of looking comic book kind of thing. Yeah, because this one really keeps that separation, much like the movies where there's he's at school or he's on his adventure and they don't kind of overlap. Other than, I guess, his student getting stabbed in his office, <laughs> his favorite student or his best student. But it does a good job of of kind of setting up who this character is, that he puts on the hat and the jacket, and he's he's ready for business. Yeah, this first issue came out January 1983. We're a year and a half away from Temple of Doom. Raiders was coming back out into theaters that year. So after John Byrne leaves... One issue, number three, is done by Denny O'Neill. But then on issue number four, Gateway to Infinity from April 1983, scriptwriter David Micklieni comes in. And the series kind of really starts to find a good groove at that point. Yeah, and some of it may be, and whether this was his idea or Lucasfilm's idea, he brings back Marion and... Once she's back, it really starts to, it feels like Raiders. If these are the issues, issues number seven and eight, those were the ones, the first ones that I got, that I read like those were the gospel back in the day. Those were my Raiders of the Lost Ark 2, and they are 
so, so fun. And the way David McLeany writes Marion, she's almost kind of like Jones, keep up with me. I'm in charge. I'm the one running this show. Yeah, and I think that's what makes these the run in the middle here where she's a main character so interesting because it is like there's two main characters to the comic and the fun of seeing Indiana Jones, like the movie is seeing Indiana Jones reacting to Marion and them kind of bouncing off each other. And it probably wasn't intentional, but the fact that the first few issues are more or less just Indiana Jones and these other women that are just part of the, the either single issue or couple issue stories that when Marion kind of reappears, she really makes more of an impression because you're comparing her to the standard damsel in distress characters that they have earlier on. And yeah, I thought it was great. You missed out, I guess, coming in on this one with the one debut in the issue before when she opens a nightclub that's funded by Indiana Jones. Which was great because that's the thing with like the taking it back to like the Saturday matinee serial roots. I mean, I just picked up randomly issue seven, didn't have the context on how Marion was back. Just like, oh, Marion's back. Okay. And they're in the jungle, and yeah, there's a castle that's shaped like a skull, and there's these cr- crystals, these crystal orbs on staffs that make Nazis melt down to skeletons. <laughs> I was like, this all sounds like Indiana Jones to me. And in hindsight, it's really, it's like Crystal Skull, before there was Crystal Skull. It's very Crystal Skull. And reading it again, it's like, well, this all makes sense why Crystal Skull spoke to me on a deep level to my core, because probably it was touching some button in my brain somewhere. It, it was the further adventures of Indiana Jones, issue seven and eight come to life. You've been waiting since 1983 for that to happen. <laughs> what are you looking at, Daddy-o? She's getting away! <laughs> So there, there's so many issues after that too. Gabe, when we talk about some of the highlights in in the run, which there's there's so many. I don't know how many how we can even get through all of them. Well, one I didn't want to miss from earlier on from issue four. Indiana Jones, according to these comics, was always completely ridiculous and over the top because not only in Temple of Doom does he escape from a crashing plane in a inflatable raft in issue four, he escapes from a crashing plane by holding a blanket over his head and using it as a parachute, <laughs> which that's just issue four too. And I like that in, in the second issue to kind of get out of this John Byrne storyline and he just jumps out of a plane and that's the end of the story. Like <laughs> it's true. Again, maybe that's why him jumping in the refrigerator to shield himself from a nuclear blast. I was like, this all makes total sense to me. I don't understand why. I don't understand why people are mad. This is all further Adventures of Indiana Jones comic book stuff. It's totally normal. Didn't you guys read the comics? Well, and I think part of the fun, too, is Marion's back, but peppered in these are your other favorites. Because issue nine... Sala is back, and and I think every panel he's in, he's singing, which is perfect. And there's a whole storyline where they finally go back and get the the idol from the beginning of Raiders. And there's this 
evil warrior who has the last of the Vito warriors and they're like attacking Indy in New York City or with spears or wherever he is. I can't remember what number it is it starts where yeah, Marion is back again and it's a whole search for Abner Ravenwood where like Marion thinks that Abner's still alive. They find this like lost city in the Himalayas. There's like Bigfoot creatures, something going on. That was uh issue seventeen and eighteen. And the first half is them in Greece where they fight the Minotaur in the uh the mazes under Greece. <laughs> and then they end up in yeah, the the Antarctic or the Arctic. What someplace cold. <laughs> Well, and they and the person they think might be Abner is this warrior in a golden mask <laughs> who never really talks. And it could be Abner, but it could not be. And the story is almost like a little bit of what ultimately ends up being Last Crusade, because instead of there just being the one knight who has the you know the cup of eternal life, but he can't leave the temple, there's this whole city in the Arctic where they have this alien meteor that that basically gives them the healing powers and as long as they stay in the town they can live forever but they can't ever leave the town or they have like horrible pain so they have to bring in the the sasquatches to eat one of them every year (laughs) and another great one is back issue 15 and 16 he's in a biplane with jock the pilot and he's talking about how he wished he would have brought along his his friend Reggie, the boa constrictor, and he needs a boat, so he goes into town. And who does he find in jail? But Captain Katanga, who we find out his first name is Simon. Did we know that in the movie? No, <laughs> that he's Simon Katanga. <laughs> no, but we get two issues of of Indy teamed back up with Katanga on the Bantu Wind. I gotta give a shout out to issue number nineteen, <laughs> which story. Script pencils by Larry Lieber. Who's Larry Lieber? He's Stanley's little brother. Did a ton of comics work, worked on Iron Man, Thor, all kinds of big stuff. He did just like a one off Indiana Jones story, issue 19. And in it, Indiana Jones flies on a dragon. Indiana Jones flies on a dragon. I'm saying right now, Indy 5 could be about dragons. This issue really, really hits you in the head because there's, you know, maybe 10 issues where it's like, all right, this is like, this is the further adventure of Indiana Jones. This is like Raiders 2. Katanga's back. Sala's back. Marion's back. And then all of a sudden, there's like Neanderthal men or something, and they worship a creature frozen in ice that. The Japanese army's convinced is a dragon that they can unleash on west the west coast of the U.S. Indy has to go to Japan to stop it, and it turns out to be a, to be real. And they unleash a dragon, yes, and he rides it. But luckily, the Neanderthal people gave him some ancient scroll. If he reads it out loud, the magic will return to them, and the and the dragon he's riding just disappears, and Indy falls into the ocean. <laughs> yeah. Just like the movies. <laughs> uh, I guess if the Ark of the Covenant can electrocute people, then why can't there be dragons? Uh, I kept wondering, though, with these, if Lucasfilm did like give them access to the story 
conference transcripts or something. Because there are so many things that end up in the other movies. Like, Temple of Doom comes out during this comic's run. So it makes sense that some Temple of Doom stuff ends up in here. But nothing really feels that much like Temple of Doom in here, other than Short Round shows up in one issue for a few panels. But lots of Crystal Skull and Last Crusade stuff shows up in these. With, you know, the haunted castles. Early on, there's the issue with the, with the like, 500-year-old guy and his 200-year-old buddy who, like, make elixir in caves that keeps them alive. So there's that whole thing again. And I think in one of the earlier issues, they're rushing to Stonehenge because there's, like, interdimensional beings that are that are going to come into this world if they bring a, a magic crystal there. Well, and there's a whole series of issues where Indy has a sidekick who... His name is Alec, and he's kind of like the preppy mutt. Yeah, there's the preppy mutt Alec, who's not related to Indy, but he's like a kid who's kind of causing trouble on on an adventure along with Indiana Jones. It, there's so much. There's there's one issue that I love that starts out with Indy is buried up to his neck in sand, and there's killer crabs coming at him. And to get the crabs away from him, he's got to blow sand on the crabs. I mean, that right there felt like a very Indiana Jones kind of moment. But kind of like as the issues go on, I think the last issue was number 34, I believe. The writers change, the artists change, and kind of towards the end, like in the late 20s, somewhere mid-20s, Steve Ditko comes on. As an artist. Huge name in comics history. You see his name at the end credits of every Marvel movie. Like, thank you to Steve Ditko and Jack Kirby and Stan Lee. And you would think Steve Ditko coming in to do Indiana Jones would be great, but the art gets real crazy. It's like Steve Ditko lost a bet and he had like two hours to do the issue. A lot of the stories just turn into kind of like talking heads. Of one guy with a crazy mustache telling Indy where he has to go. And then Indiana Jones talks for an entire page with a giant word balloon. And then there's another head. You can tell that by the time they get to the late 20s of the the further adventures of Indiana Jones, it's like the comic literally starts running out of steam. It's got no heart left. They don't, they're not quite sure what to do with it. Yeah, it's one of those things where, you know, some comics, like, you're heartbroken when they end because, like, they're, oh, this is just getting so good. Or this one, when it ends, you're kind of like, okay, I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready for this to be over now. And Dark Horse later brought it back, like I was saying, kind of after adventures set after Last Crusade with, with Indy and his dad, which are great. You've got to wonder, though, if there are conversations going on with... Indy 5 coming. I mean, Mads Mikkelsen just got announced that he's going to be in the movie. Like, Indy 5 is happening, which is bizarre and weird. But the comic format still is such a good place for Indiana Jones. And with, you know, Marvel doing Star Wars again now, you've got to wonder if indiana jones could return to marvel like if the further adventures of indiana jones comics could suddenly start again like we were talking about like how the indie eu is much more narrow just focused on him the comics could be an interesting way to maybe broaden that out a little bit 
Well, and the difference now versus in 1983, too, is there's been four films, Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, and by the time, if anything new comes out, maybe there'll be five films that there's basically the entirety of Indiana Jones' life to do stories. So even if you're tied to the character of Indiana Jones, you can do World War II, you can do the Crystal Skull years, you can do the 1960s, if that's when the new film is. Like, It's kind of become a thing where there's a much broader palette to work from, and you really just have to tie it into some sort of vaguely archaeological thing as opposed to it having to be all based on two films that took place over a relatively short period of time. And you've got to wonder if the introduction of whoever Phoebe Waller-Bridge is playing, if she is like a contemporary for Indiana Jones, like I don't want to say a sidekick, an, an equal to him in the film, or maybe someone giving him a hard time <laughs> about his age or, you know, which I think Phoebe Waller-Bridge would be incredible doing. I mean, we could see a whole Marvel comic book series just about her broadening out kind of what's possible in the Indiana Jones universe and kind of the adventures that can kind of take place, maybe not solely about him, but around him. The comics could be, yeah, like a, a great way to kind of explore that. Maybe we could have Phoebe Waller-Bridge riding a dragon. <laughs> Maybe we will. You could tell the stories of what happened right after Temple of Doom. What happened to Willie Scott? Short round. You could tell the stories of Indy and Mac, just like in Berlin, doing their their spy adventures and stuff, whatever the heck that was all about. Yeah, like you were saying, the, the canvas of Indiana Jones stories now is a whole lot bigger, and it could still kind of have that unique comic book also saturday matinee serial roots right intact long story short i want indie comics to come back there's something just right about it yeah it seems like if there was ever a time for indie stuff to come back now is the time we've got a new movie we've got disney plus disney and marvel and indiana jones are all the same family now they're all related there's no excuses. Well, and hopefully the old Further Adventure comics can come back out in some format somewhere because these deserve to be seen just as much as the Star Wars comics. I'm sure they will. Like we said, we never thought that the Ewok movies would be on Disney Plus, and here we are. <laughs> Indiana Jones, a large-sized action figure. This boulder's coming in fast! He's new from Tenor's Raiders of the Lost Ark collection. Stay low, Indiana. They're right behind you. Use your whip. Whoa, I'm flipping. Whoa! A snake pit. Get me out of here. Snap! Indiana Jones, a large-sized action figure from Raiders of the Lost Ark collection. New from Tenor. today, kid. 
So you know the deal with Apple Podcast Reviews. If you listen on some sort of Apple thing, when you're done listening, go over there. Write a little review about Blast Points, about this show, about any show, about the show in general. Write a review of what you had for lunch. We'd like to read that, too. But if you if you write a little something on there, it helps the show. It helps people when they search for what's a good Star Wars podcast. It helps Blast Points come up, and it brings warm feelings to our heart. And we'll read your review on an upcoming show. We promise. Even though we say that every week, it's going to happen. And after that, make sure you check out our website, BlastPointsPodcast.com, home of the handy search feature if you're looking for old episodes. And make sure you are following us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you're on Facebook, make sure you're in the Super Chill group. And if you want to support the show in a different way, we have got the Blast Points Army on Patreon, where we are doing our monthly in-depth dissection of the episode one documentary at the beginning. Got the episode on minutes 20 through 30. So that's something to look forward to. That's over there, and there's going to be a lot of Bad Batch going on there in May and probably June, and who knows what else this year. It's going to be a lot of Bad Batch over there. It's going to be a good batch. That's... <laughs> but that about wraps up episode number 263, Indie Comics, The Further Adventures of Indiana Jones. Indie year, still going strong. We had no idea when we started Indie year. People like real things actually happening with Indy 5. It's almost like we planned it, but we didn't. So we're very grateful that Indy 5 is, seems to be happening. And yeah, we're getting news every week at this point, it seems like. So before we know it, there'll be a teaser. There'll be spy photos of Harrison Ford hanging off a building or something. All the All the good stuff is coming. We got more really fun indie stuff coming this year, more special guests, more really cool things going on. And uh, yeah, and speaking of special guests, next week's regular episode may be a, uh, I think we have a promise to keep with an old friend. (laughs) Think about that. But uh, yeah, until then, thanks everyone for listening. Bye bye. In town, he needs a boat, and who does he bust out of jail? Mr. Katanga, Captain Katanga, Katanga, Captain Katanga, 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 thank you. Henry Jones, Junior.